Well, I'll tell you, one of my favorite uh, basketball moves is the pivot move. And the pivot move is fantastic because you can change directions. You can use a front pivot. You can use a reverse pivot. And the pivot move is one of those first moves that you learn when you begin to play the game of basketball. And it helps you to change directions. Today, I want to talk to you about a priority pivot that is changing directions. I want us to look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, where Jesus talks about our priorities. Let me read it for us. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. All these things will be provided for you. Um, this morning, we're kicking off a brand new series called Kingdomology. It's a study of the kingdom of God. I'm so pumped to share these messages with you over the next few weeks because the kingdom of God is one of the topics that Jesus discussed and taught about the most. In fact, more than 60 different times in the Gospels, Jesus talked about the kingdom of God. And you really can't understand God's work in eternity and God's work here on earth if you don't have a kingdom concept, if you don't understand what the kingdom is all about. We don't really understand the kingdom as much in the 21st century because we don't have monarchies and kings and queens like they did in ancient times. In fact, I was thinking about, you know, what do I think about when I hear the word kingdom? And it reminded me when I was a kid and my parents took me to Disney. And it was the magic kingdom. And my kingdom concept is kind of like Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse and Space Mountain and the animal kingdom and fireworks and singing and dancing and lots of video games and shows and other things like that. But the kingdom of God is something that is is much more different. It's a lot more sophisticated than that. I love to watch historical dramas, and Gina and I have watched several over the last few years, and that feature kings and queens and kingdoms. And what I've learned from watching those shows is that whatever the king says is the law. You know, in the 21st century, when we don't like something, we go and we hire an attorney. But in the ancient world, it wasn't like that. The king, what he said, what he did was, was the truth. That was the law. That was the rule. And there was really not a lot of room to negotiate. Um, <clears throat> loyalty to the king was the most important thing. And kings were always trying to expand their kingdom. And we'll be looking at these themes woven in and out of our series over the next few weeks because we want to thoroughly and completely understand what Jesus was speaking about when he talked about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. In fact, we could define the kingdom of God as the presence and rule of God in our lives and in the world. I'll say it one more time. The kingdom of God is the presence and rule of God in our lives and in the world. And sometimes people think, was the kingdom of God in eternity or is the kingdom of God now? And the answer to that is both. It is eschatological. There is an aspect to the kingdom of God that happens after we die. That's true. 
But there's a lot of kingdom work that needs to be done here on earth today. And it's both future and present. Jesus talked about the kingdom. In fact, in his first sermon in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, he said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And then Jesus taught us to pray about the kingdom in Luke chapter 11, verse 2, where he said, your kingdom come. And in Matthew's version, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Boy, the kingdom is so important. But let's look at this one verse today to really help us to understand how to pivot towards the kingdom because we want to we transform our priorities towards the things of God and towards the kingdom. And I want to ask three questions this morning, and you can write these down on your notes, that help us to understand the priority of the kingdom in our own life. And the first one is this, how do I make God's kingdom a priority? Now notice he says, seek first the kingdom. So in other words, the number one priority, I need to pivot towards seeking first the kingdom. That, that's the priority. That, that's, that, that's the goal. It means putting Christ and the things of the Spirit first in our life. Uh, we ought to have a kingdom lifestyle. Many times we live a self-focused lifestyle. But the life of the kingdom is spent seeking first the kingdom. Now the word seek means to go after something, to pursue something, to, to be focused in our intent. Uh, seeking is not a, a casual word. It's an intense word. And it is a daily decision uh, to seek first the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is our highest priority and our greatest honor and God wants us to pursue it, study it, explore it, understand it, learn it, and consider it. And that's what it means to seek the kingdom. Um, I was thinking this week about the fact that I have a problem. I lose my keys, my wallet, sometimes my backpack, on occasion my children. I have a problem, I lose things. And so Gina decided to solve this problem for me a few years ago. We made some great improvements in the Heller household. She bought these trackers. And so we have trackers in everything. I have a tracker in my wallet. I have a tracker on two sets of keys. Um, the other day I was talking to Gina and she had a water bottle with a, like a koozie on the bottom of it with something sticking out. And I said, what is that? And she said, it's a tracker. So we are now tracking water bottles at the Heller household. Nothing is getting away from us. And I found that after having kids that trackers are more important. Before, maybe not as much, but we track everything. Before we had trackers, though, Gina was intent on finding things. You know, I, I remember a few, a few evenings where I would say, I can't find my keys. And she was like, well, where are they? And I'm like, I don't know, baby, but I'm kind of tired and I'm going to go to bed. And if I need to borrow your key to my car tomorrow, no big deal. We'll find it later. no. I cannot go to bed until we find your keys. And Gina would search every nook and cranny of the house. She would pull the, the car mats up, look under all the seats and the console and the car. I mean, in the garage, wherever there might be 
Something that's missing. I mean, she, she would look intently for maybe up to a couple of hours, and, and she would always find it, too. It's really amazing that she could do that. I don't think that I'm focused as much. <laughs> but when I think about this idea of seeking first the kingdom, I think about the intensity that Gina has when she's looking for something that is lost. Jesus spoke about that in Luke chapter 15. He talked about the woman who had lost her coin. And remember, she tore the house apart till she could find it. That is what the word seeking is all about. God wants us to be seeking first the kingdom. We don't seek the things of the kingdom last. We seek the things of the kingdom first. We're going after them. We are looking for them. We are intent on finding them with total dedication, with unswerving purpose, with absolute commitment. It means that God's business is before my business. And how do we do that? Well, the first thing we got to do to seek the kingdom is we have to enter the kingdom. The Bible tells us we do so by faith. It's our faith in the fact that Jesus died and that he rose again on the third day. That's how we enter into the kingdom. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people in the world that are not a part of God's kingdom. And that's, that's called mission. And that's why we're so intent here at Edge Church to reach people. Because Matthew 7.21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God. Um, the kingdom should be our greatest interest. Uh, we ought to be asking, how's my team doing? When we have a, a sporting team that's doing really well, like my favorite college football team, if I can brag for just a moment. We finished in the top four or five this year. I was checking the polls every single week, seeing how the team was doing. I was upset when we got moved down. I was jumping up and down, celebrating when we were moving up. I wanted to know. I was checking it out. Maybe you do that with the stock market. You're always looking, man, am I up or am I down? Uh, maybe it's with other uh, polls or, or other things. You, you're, you're interested. A few years ago, a friend of mine was running for the U.S. Senate, and I was checking the polls every day because I was so excited. I wanted to see uh, my buddy uh, win the Senate seat. And, and, and so I was constantly looking. I, I was intently aware. I, I, was, I, I was interested. Um, I think that's the intensity that Jesus is speaking about when he's talking about seeking first the kingdom. The kingdom should be our greatest interest. We want the church to do well. How's our church doing? We're interested. We're concerned because we want to see the kingdom of God developed and expanded here on earth. We give the first of our income, the first portion to the kingdom because we love the kingdom. Um, we devote our time to the kingdom. Uh, we don't wait till we can squeeze in a little time for God at the end of the day, but we we spend some time in prayer and, and reading scripture and we commit that time to God during the day because we care about the kingdom. Um, we commit the first day of the week in public worship as we're doing today here at Edge Church because we love the kingdom. Um, we make choices based on a kingdom criteria. Uh, many times we make a decision, we think about, well, how does this affect me or how does this affect my children? 
But we also look at every decision through the lens of a kingdom commitment. How does this impact the kingdom? What, what does this mean for the kingdom? Um, we got to dedicate our best energy to the kingdom. Uh, sometimes we say, well, when I get really old, when I retire, when I have nothing else to do, I'll be about the kingdom. But you've got a lot of energy and a lot of time for many of us between now and then. Seek first the kingdom. We ought to seek the guidance of the king. God does not want to be our vice president or our first runner-up. He's, he's the king. We ought to pray kingdom prayers. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. A lot of times we pray, give us this day our daily bread. How many of us are good at those? Lord, let me give you my five requests today. Here's my five needs, and can you hurry up? Instead of just praying, give me this day my daily bread, we ought to be praying, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And notice he says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. What is his righteousness? Well, it's not our righteousness, but it is his righteousness. It's the righteousness of Jesus. Listen, by faith, we enter into a righteous relationship with God because we are broken, because we are sinful. We need a Savior, and it is the righteousness of Jesus that puts us in correct standing with God. It is his righteousness. And so that brings two things into our life. It brings grace and gratitude. I'm living in his righteousness. Now, it's easy to think about the kingdom and think, well, if I'm about the kingdom, is that like a religious check sheet for me? I got to check all these boxes. Pastor Ryan added some duties and obligations to my weekly list. What is the kingdom? Romans chapter 14, verse 17 enlightens us. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, I mean, does that sound good? Anybody want some of that? So the kingdom of God is not a duty or obligation. It's opportunity, baby. Come on. He says, the righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus, righteousness, peace. Does anybody need some more peace in their life? See, when God is first in your life, guess what happens? You have peace. You have peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I mean, is there anything more wonderful than having the joy of Jesus in your life empowered and emboldened by the Holy Spirit of God. You see, the kingdom of God is not obligation. The kingdom of God is opportunity. It's opportunity. Wow. That's why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. Seek it first. But there's also a second question. Why is kingdom living such a challenge? Why is kingdom living a challenge? Well, the answer is because life happens. Jesus is teaching in Matthew chapter 6 on the Sermon on the Mount. It's, 
By the way, the greatest sermon that was ever preached. And this is what Jesus said about your life. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin thread. And I love the amplified translation on verse 25. It says, don't be perpetually uneasy. (laughs) Are you perpetually uneasy? Are you cranky? Are you moody? Are you easily irritated? Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. I'll get to that tomorrow. That's a great motto for the Christian life. You know, I'll worry about that tomorrow. But today I got enough things to worry about. It's interesting that word worry in the language of the New Testament means to choke out. And the reason that Jesus brings this teaching about the kingdom right beside this teaching about worry is because he understands something that is so powerful And that is this, you cannot focus on the kingdom if you are worried and freaked out about your life. You know why? Because you're distracted. If you're worried about what am I going to eat and what am I going to drink and what am I going to wear and and about life in general. He says, don't worry about your life. Well, your life is... Is everything. I mean, that's your 401k. It's the car you drive. It's, it's the house that you live in. It's the problems that you have. It's the family members that you live with. It, that's your life. He says, don't worry about your life. But the reason that we have trouble being focused on the kingdom is because we have so many worries. And it pulls our attention. And most followers of Jesus want to be about the kingdom But the tension in our own heart is we're pulled away because we have so many other problems. And because we're so worried and we're so stressed out and anxious, we cannot focus on the kingdom because we're worried about our life, as Jesus says it. A few years ago, I wanted to up my fashion game and I found a fashion app on my phone. By the way, I just want you to know that's why I look so good. Some of you have been asking yourself, how does he do it every week? Got the fashion app. And you go through and you take pictures of all the pieces in your wardrobe. It took me several weeks to do this, by the way. But the fashion app is awesome because you can can plan outfits and you can assign them to a day on the calendar. So if you have like a casual day, you know, you can put in like a casual outfit. If you need to dress up a little bit, you can schedule that and you can have different looks. And, oh, it's, it's fantastic. It's wonderful. I'm, I highly recommend it. <laughs> but when Jesus is talking about don't worry about your clothes, I don't think he's talking about our fashion. 
He's not talking about, are you going to wear Versace or Gucci? He's talking about, are you going to have clothes at all? Ancient people didn't have the wardrobes and the luxuries and and many of the things that we have today. Uh, Jesus is talking about our life. But he says, listen, if your focus is on what you wear, what you eat, and the worries of this world, it will choke the spiritual life out of you and you will have nothing to contribute to the kingdom. You got nothing left because every day you wake up in a panic and you're worried and you're anxious and when you're anxious, your mind is divided. It's going this way and that way and you can't focus on anything. Kingdom living is a challenge because life gets in the way. And the test to see if we're going to live for God's kingdom is worry. So you can just ask yourself today, if, 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 you know, how anxious am I? Do I struggle with anxiety and worry? If so, how in the world can I be about the kingdom? And Jesus puts these things together for us. And he, he gives us just some, some very practical insight here that I love and I just love the teachings of Jesus because they are so practical but he says in chapter 6 verse 26 worry doesn't make sense the birds of the air don't worry have you ever seen a sparrow that was panicked about what he was going to wear so it's not it really doesn't make sense he says in verse 27 worry doesn't help can you add one moment to your life by worry? Has, has worrying ever fixed a problem? Like, do you wake up in the morning and you go, okay, I got a problem. I'm going to worry, 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 worry. Oh, it's all better. Worrying actually makes things worse because you feel so terrible on the inside. So worry doesn't help. He says in verse 31 and 32, worry makes us like an atheist, like a non-believer. Let me ask you, is there a difference between you and your non-believing neighbor next door? You know what one of the big differences between a believer and a non-believer should be? Do you worry? Now, if God is not in your life, listen, I get it. You need to push the panic button. But if you know God and you love the Lord and you're seeking first the kingdom of God, you're right where God wants you to be and there is no greater place that you could ever be than with the Lord. So there ought to be a huge difference between a believer and a non-believer and one of those differences is the way that we deal with anxiety. Do we pray? Do we believe? Do we have faith? Do we trust? Or do we push the panic button? Finally, what are the rewards of kingdom living? What are the rewards? Some of you may be thinking, well, what? what's, what's in it for me? If I live for the kingdom, sounds difficult. Sounds hard. Check this out. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Are you ready? And all these things will be provided for you. Wait a second. Did you get that? And all these things 
will be provided for you. This promise includes all your physical needs, your social needs, your emotional needs, your psychological needs, your financial needs. God will take care of you. And here's what Jesus is saying. If you will make God's business your business, then God will make your business his business. Do you see it? So seeking first the kingdom is not just about what can I give to God, although that's a huge part of it and that is the focus, but we also have to be mindful of the fact that God has promised that he's going to take care of us. And if we would spend less time worrying and more time doing the works of the kingdom and, and focusing on the kingdom, then what we would see is God would take care of us in a lot more, in a lot higher capacity than maybe we've been experiencing. The saddest thing I can think of is to live our whole lives without God's purpose for our lives. Maybe life's greatest failure may be to be successful in all the wrong things. I mean, how sad would that be to get to the end of our life and we're like, I built a business, I built a family, I built a whatever. I did nothing for the kingdom. I missed my purpose. I missed my God-given opportunity. He says all these things will not be subtracted, not divided, but what? Added. Added to you. He's talking about the things that you need. If God's business is your business, then your business will become God's business. And the two most important commodities that we have in our life is our time and our energy. And Jesus is saying, listen, if you will put your time and your energy on the things that really, really, really matter, kingdom, I'll take care of whatever you need. I got you covered. A few years ago, we had a young lady in our church. She was really struggling financially. She was very committed. She was growing in her faith. I mean, God was doing awesome things in her life, but she was really struggling financially. She was really hurting. Some of our staff was helping her, encouraging her. And one day I got a phone call. One of our church members said, Pastor Ryan, we have a car, and we want to donate it to the church. Would there be anybody in the church that needs a car? And I said, well, you know, I don't know of anybody right now, but um, why don't you go ahead and give it to the car, and we'll, we'll give us the car, and we'll figure it out, and I'm sure somebody will need a car. Well, I went to our staff meeting. I shared that with our team, and they said, Pastor Ryan, we have so-and-so. This lady needs a car. And one of the coolest things that I ever got to do was one day to hand her the keys to her brand-new car. Isn't that awesome? And I thought, you know... That sounds so complicated, and it's not like people are donating their cars to the church all the time, but I just thought, you know, God knows the needs that we have. God wants to meet the needs that we have. When we're focused on the kingdom, God, God has a funny, unusual, uncanny way of taking care of his children. Some of us need friends. Some of us need wisdom. Jesus says all these things will be added to you. Let's pivot towards the kingdom 
let's stop worrying and let's let God bring addition into our own lives. Would you pray with me for a moment?